It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. One thing history will remember about this inauguration is certainly the security. There behind me in the distance on the West Front, the inauguration will take place. Joe Biden sworn in as a 46th president here in about five hours, and it will be done at a capital that is more fortified than it ever has been perhaps in its history. It is unbelievable the amount of security we had to come through here with the National Guard here with everyone. And of course, the difference it looks with the flags, thousands of flags you see behind me along the mall. No uh, Americans, the thousands of Americans we usually see out here are gone because the mall is closed. Closed also incoming bridges to the city. They are on lockdown and they are on high alert. Now we did hear yesterday the report that 12 Guard members, National Guard uh, members were pulled from duty because of what uh, commanders called uh, potential ties to far right wing extremist groups. But commanders also saying they feel that it's very secure and safe. They are not worried about that. It's quiet. It's calm down here. Almost surreal, Ainsley. But one thing is for sure, we expect a peaceful transfer of power a little later today. And it's going to happen under security preparations we've never seen in the nation's capital. Boy, that's for sure. Sandy Rios with you. I want to talk a little bit about that. And as a matter of fact, uh, well, extreme right-wing groups. No, actually, I'm reading that the reason those 12 National Guardsmen were pulled was because of, quote, inappropriate comments or texts. That's from General Daniel Hokanson, the National Guard chief. Inappropriate comments or texts. So, yeah, you can't serve if you, you know, you can't really have free speech. You can't uh, not like uh, Joe Biden. You can't like President Trump. I, th- I you know, me thinks that's probably what it was at the heart of this. So they've been removed. Nevertheless, 20,000 troops are in Washington. Uh, I want to tell you a couple of other things about what's happening today. It's the 46th presidential president, not the 46th inauguration. There are more than that for some reason, uh, but it will take place at midday. As you know, uh, Kamala Harris is not the first uh, per, uh, vice president of color, but she f- is the first woman vice president. And some people are thrilled about that, as though that makes a difference. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts will swear in Biden. Well, that's perfect because he really is ultimately responsible for that. So it's good. He gets to swear him in. And um, Presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton are expected to attend in person. Also, Senators Ted Cruz, uh, I'm not going to say everyone, but Josh Hawley, John Kennedy, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Tom Tuberville, those are the ones who uh, were going to object to the Biden uh, 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 electors before that joint session of Congress. So they'll be there, plus Rick Scott, who did not join. uh, Florida will be at the inauguration. Lady Gaga will be singing the national anthem. And at 3.15, there will be a virtual parade across America. Well, it's very fitting, but this is a virtual uh, uh, election of a president, a virtual campaign 
uh, and a, a virtual inauguration. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? A faux parade at 315. Uh, it's like, um, wow, they've just created a narrative. They've created some sort of fantasy world, and we're like living this fantasy they're creating. Uh, the federal, federal government has built walls all through D.C. You should see the photos. You should see the photos. It looks just horrific, I have to say. There's barbed wire at the top. There's, a, there's a fences all down some streets, as you heard Griff say. Some of the, the, the uh, bridges are closed. Uh, and it does look, it just looks like an armed takeover. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a dream for totalitarian governments. And, of course, the, the whole pretense is because of uh, what happened two weeks ago in the Capitol, the horrible, no good, is, is ISIS-like uh, Trump supporters. Uh, did an insurrection and wanted to kidnap and murder members of Congress. That's the narrative. Five people were killed. That's the narrative, too. Of course, that's not true. One woman was shot in the Capitol, who was a Trump supporter, in her neck. Uh, One policeman was hit by a baton, and he was taken to the hospital and had uh, either a stroke or a heart attack and died in that process. Uh, 42, I think. Tragic. And one woman, we think, was the report is that she may have been trampled by the crowd. That's it. That's not nothing, but that's it. So when you hear reports, it keeps growing. I heard Steve Schmidt say this morning, five people were killed. That's, that's not true. Uh, so, I mean, they're trying to relate, you know, other incidences to this, which they just can't do. I think there was a suicide uh, by a policeman later. So, um, so what else do we need to know about that heavy military presence. Uh, In D.C., the Metro has uh, closed 13 stations. The National Mall is shutting down. The restaurants are closed. The buses have stopped. The taxis probably are just barely running. haven't been downtown, but I can tell you the city's been separated into green and red zones. This sounds like like Berlin, Germany, when I lived there years ago when the wall was down the middle right after uh, World War II and right after... um, I didn't live there right after World War II, but relatively speaking, uh, it was the Cold War then that had ensued, and they were trying to keep the communists, um, the free, the people of East Berlin who wanted to be free, they had to wall them in. Uh, this is not walling anybody in, but it's certainly, it's just, this is the people's house, the people's capital. I have to say, this is, this, this is really how I feel about it, and I have to be careful how I word this. I really do think, that metaphorically, we would be better off if Washington, D.C. and the surrounding area just, uh, I'm not talking about people's lives, I'm just talking in general, were just to sink to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, that's the head of the snake. Uh, that is uh, where all things horrible generate, and uh, the other states could recover, and people could have autonomy in their states and do what they think is right. Uh, but but um, we have a horrible, we have a horrible Medusa uh, in Washington, D.C., and it has now overtaken us. Some people think that this is on purpose. They're trying to agitate uh, uh, patriots who love this country and love our history and supported Donald Trump, trying to agitate and cause us to do something violent so that they can take uh, take full, full control and uh, have an excuse, you know, to crack down completely. I think that's probably true, actually. I think it is that bad. Meanwhile, President Trump, by the way, is uh, leaving the uh, White House in just a few minutes. He's going to uh, Andrews Air Force Base, and there will be a ceremony there, which I think is lovely. Uh, Vice President Pence is going to go to um, 
the inauguration and says he can't make that farewell for the president. Uh, Senators McConnell, McConnell and uh, the former leader, well, the minority leader in the House, McCarthy, uh, will we'll go to church with President-elect Biden instead of uh, attending that farewell address. So just so you know, the lay of the land, we're kind of seeing how pe- they're scared to death because Trump is toxic and people who supported him are members of ISIS, equivalent to members of ISIS, and we can't be affiliated with them. So this is how dangerous it's getting, and this is the truth. President Trump gave a farewell address yesterday, and I want you to hear from him because this is the last time, really, we'll have a chance to hear from him as president. I want you to hear in part what he had to say, clip two. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential if properly done. America had given me so much and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat but about the good of a nation, and that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA, a deal that's worked out very, very well. All right, that's just part. Of course, he talks about all his other accomplishments, and they are legion. They really are legion. And he's speaking the truth. It's all true. He's not exaggerating. He did remarkable things, absolutely remarkable things. All of them are going to be reversed, but we will always remember uh, what President Trump did for this country. We will never forget. Uh, the, the media is saying he's leaving a disgrace. I don't think so. It's all fantasy. It's this uh, story they're telling you that has no connection with reality. Uh, to many of us, he's a champion, and he always will be. All right, so he went on to say other things I want you to hear because I want you to hear what your president, until until midday today, what he had to say last night, clip three. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten 
because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights, because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes, for these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. That was at least part of what he had to say. That's President Donald Trump as I'm watching him take off in the helicopter, he and Melania, and go to uh, Air Force, Andrews Air Force Base, and that's where there will be a ceremony. Uh, so uh, we will miss him terribly. And what he said is just true. It's just plain true. That's why millions of Americans came out to support him. We recognize that Washington had gone off the rails. Our politicians have gone off the rails. They somehow think that they are our rulers and not our representatives. And so we say goodbye to him, but we have not forgotten what he said. And, of course, he's resonating what we all believe and have believed before he ever came to office. God bless Donald Trump. We will miss him tremendously. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we have a new president, and he's being, you know, uh, let's say crowned today at midday. Um, And he's going to be uh, instituting a lot of uh, policies, plus putting in place a lot of personnel. We're going to talk about that next, so don't go away. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created 
in the image of God. After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unrocked my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for the peaceful transition of power as Joe Biden is sworn in as President of the United States. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 reminds us to pray for our leaders. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people and kings and all those in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for peace in our country and guidance for the president. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the presidential prayer team. Pray with us as we lift up each state's freshman senators and representatives as part of our 2021 BOLD initiative. Learn more at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Feeling stuck? At Liberty University, we know you've waited long enough to move forward. So we're making sure the resilient career you want is closer than you think. Choose from more than 450 degrees, 100% online, for one of the lowest tuition rates in the nation. We've kept it the same for five years and counting, and we'll give you college credit for your life experience so you can save time and money. Stop feeling stuck and start moving toward the future you want with a school you can trust. Learn more by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Today is the last day of the Trump administration. I know that may come as a shock to many of you who have followed the daily deluge of conspiracy theories. The president will not declare martial law. There will not be some sort of last-minute Supreme Court intervention. The Kraken will not be released. The reality is Joe Biden is the president-elect, and the United States is about to embark on a dark and dangerous voyage toward socialism. And it's time for the American people to come to terms with that reality. Look, I have no doubt in my mind the election was stolen. Unfortunately, the Trump legal team was simply unable to prove their case. So today we bid farewell to President Trump, who I believe history will judge as one of the greatest presidents in history. He promised to make our country great again, and he did. Godspeed, Mr. President. Be sure to download my free podcast, order a copy of my latest book at ToddStearns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. There's a, there's a, there's a great flaw in the strategy, and it's this. The winners write history, and they're the losers. And they're the architects of sedition and insurrection, violence, and death. A hundred... 47 members of 
Congress, all Republicans, all white, rose to throw out millions of black votes? How many companies in this country have signed pledges in favor of racial justice, supporting Black Lives Matter? I don't see how they can ever make a donation again that goes to any of those members who sought to reimpose Jim Crow on this country. They have incited violence. They have participated in the big lie. They have poisoned democracy. The shame of the people around Trump who have participated in the shaping of the great American catastrophe over the last four years will be held to account. Will be held to account by the judgment of history, by the judgment of decent Americans. They'll be held to account by corporate America as they look for jobs, by corporate America as they seek donations. They will not write their history. We will write their history. And their shame will last forever. They are carved like, like they are carved like etching into granite, granite onto history's list of villains in this country. That was Steve Schmidt uh, on CNN. Now, a couple of comments. First of all, isn't it striking that, generally speaking, if you're in a hard-fought contest and you win, you feel happy and elated and joyful. You don't, you know, turn to your opponent and start trying to kill them or destroy them. Do you? I've never seen that happen before, and yet that's exactly, if you... Can't even bear to watch uh, national news right now. It's just venom and vitriol. I thought the hatred was bad when President Trump was still in the White House, but it seems worse. And of course, it's all of us collectively. We must be destroyed. And it is, uh, I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly how they feel. They are coming for us. President Trump warned us about that. I've tried to warn you about that, but his megaphone was much greater. But I don't think people really listen, and certainly Republicans. Establishment Republicans are still in la-la land of some sort, not even understanding what's about to hit them. Well, uh, the other point is that Steve Schmidt uh, used to be uh, a strong, well, an active Republican. He worked for President George W. Bush. He worked for Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he worked for Arizona, Arizona Senator John McCain, which brings me to this point. You have often heard, if you haven't, you should hear, that personnel is policy. Can you not see? Uh, how horrible it is if you are pick someone like that who has that kind of character and hatred and vitriol as your chief staffer, and that's yet what some of those people did. <coughs> Sorry, my allergies. Scott Walter is the president of Capital Research Center, and he joins us this morning. Scott, thank you for joining me, and good morning. Good morning. It's great <laughs> to be here. Hey, Scott, before we start talking about the content, oh, my if I could talk, I may just have to have you talk. Um, you you guys are pretty much close. To, I'm not in D.C., the downtown that area. Yeah, yeah. So describe that. What's it like to be down there right now? Well, of course, I wouldn't know, and the same for virtually everyone, uh, because the area of D.C. that they have cordoned off is enormous. Um, uh, I mean, the the... In D.C., I usually worship at the Cathedral of St. Matthew's, which is a, about a 15-minute walk from the Capitol, or sorry, not from the Capitol, much further from the Capitol, 15 minutes from the White House. And they haven't been able to be open since noon on Sunday, and they have not been told when they will be able to reopen 
It will at wow. the earliest it would be late tonight because all pedest- pedestrian and vehicular traffic is shut down that far away um, from the White House. Now, sadly, part of that is because I believe Mr. Biden is going to go, uh, was going right about now. Um, yes, right. Uh, to mass there, which is, of course, a horrific scandal to all of my Catholic friends that a man who's doing so much uh, for abortion and countless other uh, evils will be, uh, in all likelihood, receiving communion um, at mass. But the other thing I'll say is that my, I have lots of military friends, and they're appalled. Uh, you know, these are combat veterans, and they're appalled at the thousands upon thousands of soldiers uh, shipped into D.C., um, uh, in their view, quite unnecessarily. Um, it'd be like if they're trying to take on the entirety of the Taliban to have that many people there. And they have no magazines in their weapons, which makes you wonder about the, uh, how grave the threat actually is, as opposed to just the, the dog and pony show that they're doing. It's, um, I just saw pictures this morning, Scott, of all the barbed wire and fences that have been erected. Uh, it just looks like a military zone. It looks like some other world. It looks like, um, I, it's just horrific And to see all these armed soldiers. Also, you probably heard this morning that 12 of those National Guardsmen have been expelled because they, what do they say, uh, there isn't any deed. It's just that they had uh, tweets that weren't appropriate and inappropriate remarks. That's, that's the word that was used by the general, inappropriate remarks. So they've been removed. It's, uh, it's shocking, really. It is. We are. Now, it's funny because, not funny, but Capital Research Center has been covering the hard left for a long time. You guys have your influence watch. You go deep. You dig deep. And you've been my guest many times. And, of course, you're a friend. And we, uh, we've talked about what the left is doing. Uh, but let's talk now. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, is a centrist, right, Scott? He's a moderate, uh, right? Well, clearly, yes. Clearly, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A very so, malleable centrist because the left doesn't seem to have any trouble playing him like a violin. But yeah, so let's just illustrate uh, why we don't think that's true. Because you guys have done a lot of research already, and what's happening here. And first, as I understand it, you know, people don't really. Well, I'll just say this quickly: presidential transition team. A lot of our friends served on uh, President Trump's presidential transition team, and they vetted people and they looked for people to. There's tons of places to staff when you come into a, a White House and to the executive branch. And so the transition teams are important because they make a lot of important choices about personnel. So you guys have looked into uh, that, that team. And what, what have you found, Scott? The, uh, well, lots of things to, to frighten you. The, the way to, uh, I'm only going to hit the tiniest few highlights, but if you go to influencewatch.org and just type in Biden transition, it will take you to an entry that has hundreds of persons' names. So it's the names of all the people who are on the transition teams at all the departments, because each department and agency has its own transition team that, as you say, is doing the hiring of the new personnel. We also are tracking there the high-level nominees to cabinet and just below cabinet-level posts. And there's links and documentation for all of this. It's literally hundreds of names and thousands of their association. So you have one name, and it may be all five, six places they've worked at in the past with links to uh, information on each of those different places. But it's, uh, it's really frightening. I'll give you um, I picked just a few horror stories from a few departments that I know you and your listeners really care about. So, for instance, at education, um, you have uh, 
heavy representation from both of the teachers' unions, the American Federation of Teachers, and the National Education Association, which I'm sure your listeners are fighting every single day because, of course, there are far-left unions with staggering power in America. Um, you have, for instance, the deputy director of the American Federation of Teachers, so very high, high up. Um, these people, the, the, these unions, of course, put millions into Biden's campaign and provided thousands of foot soldiers uh, to get them elected. Um, the next place I would go to scare all of your listeners is the Justice Department um, transition team. Um, my personal favorite for the biggest horror is Jose Morales, because he, at this minute, is on the payroll of Stacey Abrams' main group, Fair Fight Action. He's deputy director of voter protection uh, at Fair Fight Action. So Stacey Abrams, of course, did as much as any single person in America, except for Mark and uh, Priscilla uh, Zuckerberg, in twisting this last election. And he is almost certainly hiring uh, folks. It doesn't... You know, it doesn't tell us what part of justice he's hiring for, but I bet you anything it's uh, the Civil Rights Division and, and other parts of justice that will be able to influence elections going forward. Uh, his patent, if you just want to know uh, just how partisan he is, he also was on Pete Buttigieg's 2020 presidential campaign. He was on the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, which was desperately trying to uh, uh, win state legislative seats in order to redistrict everything in gerrymandered to the Democrats. Before that, it was the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which is the main fundraising group for House members and Pelosi. And then also he was on, how's this for the final coup de grace? He worked at the New Organizing Institute, which was the Democratic Party's, according to the Washington Post, not me, this was the Democratic Party's Hogwarts for digital wizardry. And it was other alumni from the new organizing institute of this highly democratic vote operation that started the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which got the $350 million from Zuckerberg in order to twist elections uh, in the swing states. So how's that for a few, just a few? I have more. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I know you do. I know you do. I, you know, one I heard about, and I can't think of the name, and Scott, I don't expect you to know. How could you possibly? There are hundreds here. Uh, there is one person's name that came to my attention who's been appointed at Justice, who is coming from Google and will be in the department that will oversee the antitrust suit against Google at Big Tech. And so that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of nightmare we're talking about. They're going to undo and uh, deconstruct, uh, really, America as we know it, I think it's fair to say. You also looked into uh, some entities that are involved. You talked about, you did talk about the, the teachers' union and, of course, the uh, let me just interject, Scott, because people don't always know what they never know all that you know. But they, it's the National Education Association is uh, has went off the rails twenty twenty five years ago at least, uh, and I can vouch for that. They are they most radically left. They're the ones that are pushing uh, transgender rights and uh, hormone treatment blockers for children and uh, horrible books in the classroom. And I could go on and on. Uh, so that's what that means. When they're appointed to these positions, that's who you're getting. Uh, you also talk about how the legal profession is uh, very well represented in, to, in this in higher education, that a lot of people uh, from colleges and universities and positions like that, which, well, you could say a word about that and I'll be quiet. What, what does that mean to us? Well, it, exactly. I mean, the, the greatest 
spewer of poison into American public life uh, has almost certainly been higher education. First of all, they're the ones who now train teachers. That's ridiculous because teachers shouldn't just be churned out by education schools uh, in higher ed, but they typically are. And, uh, and all of higher ed uh, has become uh, just the fire hose for identity politics um, and the most radical versions of Marxism uh, imaginable. Uh, so you have, you have higher ed heavily represented. Another part of America that's especially wicked and harmful is, of course, the foundation world. Uh, the left, despite supposedly hating big money, the left happily takes over multi-billion dollar foundations and turns themselves into billionaires effectively. Um, and you have a shocking number of big foundation officers uh, on the transition teams across government, um, the, even in places where you might not at all uh, expect it. So, for instance, one of the American Federation of Teachers persons hiring an education used to be at uh, a senior program officer at the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, by the way, Rockefeller was probably the top funder uh, agitating for the Iran deal under Obama, just as one example of the bad things. Well, I'll give you somebody else, your readers. You may remember this name, and uh, some of your listeners may too. Uh, Kai Feldblum, does that oh, ring a yes. bell? Absolutely. Hey, and, and, yeah. uh, Scott, hold on just one second. You guys hold the break by five minutes, please. Because uh, Scott and I just need a few more minutes here. Yeah, Kai Feldblum. <laughs> Tell us about her, where she's going. She she's is, a nightmare. Once again, you know, justice is sacred, and especially when it's social justice. So she is currently hiring Justice Department personnel. Uh, by the way, of course, transition team members sometimes themselves get hired, too. Um, but she's hiring folks at the Department of Justice. And you're, if your readers have forgotten her, they can just go to Family Research Council's website, because uh, they've got quite a bit about her. Um, she is uh, she was the first open lesbian to serve on the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, which, of course, is the enforcer for all kinds of dubious uh, uh, equal rights claims. Um, and she was way ahead of her time. She was for uh, uh, sexual orientation and gender identity uh, at being used as uh, hammers in the law and then hiring. Uh, she clerked for Justice Blackman, who, of course, brought us Roe v. Wade. I believe she clerked after Roe v. Wade, but nonetheless, it was for the same justice. Um, and uh, I can tell you that when she was just in, because she, she's been in private practice, too, I can tell you that a good friend of mine who worked uh, on a big, a big uh, employment lawsuit where she was on the other side that they were stunned by her behavior, and my friend claims uh, that uh, she really should have been disbarred for her misbehavior in the suit. I can also tell you that a, uh, a back after Prop 8 passed in California, where the state of California rejected same-sex marriage, worth remembering how much of the country is actually on our side, but they rejected same-sex marriage, and there was a lot of ugliness. Remember, uh, uh, Mormons were being harassed at their yes. places of worship? Yep. And a friend was working at a yeah, and a friend was working at a at a, a group that was trying to lower the temperature on both sides, try to you know find some common ground and calm things down. And they uh, they hoped that she would be helpful, but uh, she would not. And I will give her credit for this: she was she has been for decades. She has been honest. Absolutely, there's going to be a conflict between religious liberty 
and the kind of homosexual special rights that I'm in favor of. And it's really sad because I was raised Jewish myself, but golly gee, uh, religious liberty is going to have to give. So you know, at Scott, least she's honest. Just to give perspective, yes, well, yes, we'll give her that. Or shameless. <laughs> yeah, shame, yeah, right. Well, that might be the better word. But, Scott, kind of to put this in perspective, you know, we both know that when Barack Obama was in pre- pre- eight years, he spent a lot of that eight years purging the Justice Department of any kind of, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe some hangers-on, but conservative voices. He filled it with radical leftists. He did that in uh, pretty much all the departments, as far as I can tell. So now, built on, and then when he left... He made them permanent employees and not political employees, so they're still there. So now add to that this layer now of political appointees by Joe Biden. It seems to me we have a nightmare ahead. Your thoughts about that? Well, it's true. It's very scary. Part of the problem is that, you know, the the non-left side of us, we don't want to be career bureaucrats, right? That's not exactly a dream for us, and we don't want to actually take over people's lives uh, in the way that these sorts of radicals do. But you may be sure that all kinds of political appointees under Obama did what's called burrowing in, where you're a political appointee at the department, and then as the, your administration's uh, ending, you jump in and become, uh, get hired as a civil servant who then can't be fired. Yes, and we should say that when we uh, experienced, which we certainly all did, the big resistance, capital R, in Washington, D.C., much of the power of that was in these various uh, departments and agencies where the president, President Trump would say, we're going to do this, but they wouldn't do it. Uh, they would undermine him in every way possible. And so that's kind of, now we don't have that. We can, we, now they don't have that. They don't have to be stealthy, uh, Scott. They can just do what it is that they want to do. And I think uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, and this is a hard question. Uh, but do you agree with many who are saying we are headed to total Marxism? Well, I'd say that that depends on you and me and your listeners uh, and the rest of uh, the folks who don't want that. Um, T.S. Eliot was a, was a serious Christian, and his view was, you know, the war is God's job. Uh, my job, each of our jobs, is just to fight where we are, because as long as anyone is still fighting, a war is not lost. Well, I love that. I love that. That's, a, that's just such great perspective, Scott. And I think I have heard others say, and I think this is true, and I should repeat it. I've said it before, but in a different context. Uh, we need to get involved locally where we live. Uh, that's where there is still some hope. A lot of the legislatures are still conservative. A lot of the governors are still conservative. And so we need to get in there and support them because the states are going to have some power, of course, to fight off the federal government's assaults. And uh, that's where our activity, at least in the, in the um, civic arena, can take place. Scott Walter of Capital Research Center. Again, it's influencewatch.org, Biden transition, if you want to know more, because we just barely touched, you know, scratched the surface of Biden's nominees. But you, you will want to know, I think. Scott, I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Okay. All right, Sandy Rios uh, in the morning on AFR Talk.
I love this country. Well, can I tell you something? I love the Lord more than I love this country, and I love the body of Christ more than I love this country. So it is because I love you, frankly, I have to tell the truth. There are many that are more concerned with the consequences in our nation than we are about the cause. The Hamilton Quarter. Weekday afternoons at 5 Central on American Family Radio. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The American Enterprise Institute conducted an empirical study to understand the decline of religious faith in America. They concluded the data seemed to show the main driver of secularization in the United States is government spending on education and control over the curricular content taught in schools. Why? Because children learn more at school than reading, writing, and arithmetic. They imbibe a whole set of implied assumptions about what's important in life. Faith in God becomes a sort of optional, weekend hobby akin to playing tennis or video games. And our tax dollars pay for it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. That's 1 Samuel 18.1. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. This verse introduces us to one of the great masculine friendships in the Bible. David and Jonathan committed themselves to each other through a covenant. Jonathan told David he would always have his back when the heat was on, and David told Jonathan that he would always have his back. Jonathan stuck up for his friend when he was falsely accused. He defended him and tried to help others see the truth about his friend, even in front of very powerful people. Now, this turned out to be something of a one-sided relationship. Jonathan did far more giving than getting in this masculine friendship, and he did it without resentment, the mark of a true friend. Let's be a Jonathan to someone today. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. America gets a new president today. So does communist China and the rest of the world. Joe Biden is expected to take immediately a number of steps aimed at reversing his predecessor's America First policy. Many of these and others sure to come will have the unmistakable effect of weakening the United States. Consider just three examples. President Biden will begin to undermine our energy independence by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. He will terminate construction of the wall and adopt asylum and amnesty policies that incentivize illegal immigration. And he will rejoin and re-legitimize the Chinese-dominated and insidious World Health Organization that lied about and otherwise intensified the CCP virus. Given Mr. Biden's deep compromise by the Chinese communists, we must scrutinize not only the damage his policies will do to us, but determine as well who benefits. This is Frank Gaffney.
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The last time the Senate convened, we had just reclaimed the Capitol from violent criminals who tried to stop Congress from doing our duty. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And they tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. But we pressed on. We stood together and said an angry mob would not get veto power over the rule of law in our nation, not even for one night. We certified the people's choice for their 46th president. Tomorrow, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris will be sworn in. We'll have a safe and successful inaugural right here on the West Front of the Capitol, the space that President Bush 41 called democracy's front porch. And then we'll move forward. Our work for the American people will continue as it has for more than 230 years. Thank you, Senator McConnell, our fearless leader of the Republican Party, uh, continues to infuriate. And I, I've often wondered, you know, when the people of uh, Kentucky would get fed up with him. I don't know if they're fed up with him now. I've been fed up with him for a very long time. Let's review that for a second. The people in the Capitol two weeks ago were all, not just a few, they were all violent criminals. Uh, They were all trying to uh, stop what was happening on the Capitol, which was wonderful and good, uh, using fear and violence, really. So all of those people that went into the Capitol were trying to use fear and violence to stop the process. Okay, so, um, but we didn't stop. We pressed on because we're bold and we're brave and we are, after all, democracy. He told us... um, They were trying to destroy our democracy, those people that came to support President Trump. Now, the Antifa bits in the crowd might have been trying to destroy democracy. That's a fact. Uh, They weren't trying to stop the process, though, uh, Senator. They were actually loved the process because it would remove President Trump. They were trying to destroy Trump supporters, and you're helping. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Angry mob. They were an angry mob, and... um, we certified the people's choice, the people's choice. Well, that sounds very Soviet, actually. The people's, the people's republic of the people's this. But, but, but thank you, Senator McConnell. And uh, so now I want to give you play a clip that just came to me yesterday. This was a moment. There were lots of moments at the Capitol two weeks ago, Wednesday, after that, when people uh, were around the Capitol and some entered into the Capitol and uh, those violent criminals um, and angry mobs, angry might actually characterize this next person, uh, but he's definitely a Trump supporter. You can just tell. He has Trump hat on, and he. Um, I just think by what comes out of his mouth, at proves he's a Trump supporter. Let me give you the situation. If you've been to the Capitol, you know that there's, uh, there's steps, and then there are these um, uh, co- concrete uh, – like at the Lincoln Memorial, when you climb those big steps, there are concrete – large uh, end caps or and then a little bit of walkway. You actually can walk up, then they're like two feet wide if you wanted to. So whoever's filming this is probably standing on one of those and looking down. So they're filming this 
group. Now, none of them are being violent. They're not even fighting. They're just standing there outside this doorway. I don't really know what's going on there. And it's hard to tell. You can't tell. Uh, But out of that uh, crowd, this man with the Trump hat comes toward whoever is filming. You can't see who's behind the the, uh, guy who's filming. You can't see that until after this Trump supporter speaks. But as he pans around, you see that it's armed guards. These are not regular Capitol Police. They're men dressed in black, head to toe, with equipment and guns, you know, across their chests with their arms on those guns, standing, you know, with their legs separated, like, pretty ominously. Probably, I'm guessing, maybe 10 of them. I could only see in the shot. You know, you don't know how many were there. So that's who the Trump supporter is approaching to speak with. And I want you to hear how this violent criminal is addressing these policemen who are standing by the 100, maybe 150 people trying, you know, who were standing outside the Capitol, outside one of the doors. Let's just listen. Why are you letting this happen? Why haven't you called for backup? Where is your backup? This is our Capitol building, and y'all are letting it get destroyed on your watch. Call for backup. Get some help down here. And if, and if they don't want to get in backup, they obviously don't give a about you. These people want blood. All right, so what's he saying? He said, Why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen? This is our capital. Why are you letting this happen? You need to have backup. You've got to stop this. This is a Trump supporter. I don't know what people he's talking about. When he said these people want blood, I don't know if it's other Trump supporters or it's the, some of the infiltrators. I don't know. Could be both. Why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen, the Trump supporter says to the so-called military who are standing there just not doing anything, not stopping anyone, not interfering, not stepping in. Why are you letting this happen? I wonder if Mitch McConnell has seen this video. You know, I actually wonder if he ever saw any of the hearings in Michigan, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, uh, in Wisconsin, the heart-wrenching hearings of people on the front lines of the vote count, uh, talking, thousands of them, about what they saw and how um, they saw with their own eyes voter fraud. Uh, A postman who came out and said, you know, uh, they were telling us to uh, backdate these ballots, and on and on I could go. I could talk, you know, I could give a whole string of malfeasances, but I won't. But I wonder if uh, Mitch McConnell saw any of that. I don't think so. I really, I've told you this before. Based on my connections with so many people in D.C. who are very, a lot of really smart people, credentialed, high positions, it's been my personal experience that for the most part they have no idea They have no idea what's happened in this country the last few months. They have no idea. Federal Society, by the way, our trusted legal branch, Leonard Leo is the head of it, and he's the one who was given credit. Well, he has been. I think he maybe stepped aside to work for the Trump uh, administration on judicial nominees. And now, honestly, I, I I can't honestly say that this is an official Federalist Society request. I can tell you that this is one of their members who I think has a position. And uh, he has written a whole paper here now on how 
John Eastman, who is part of the Federalist Society, the, uh, the law professor from Chapman who has now been fired. He had tenure. He'd been the head of the, one of the department there for 20 years. Uh, he was the man who stood next to President Trump at that rally. He's the man who's been uh, talking about the, con- the constitutional way uh, those votes could have been challenged. And so he is a horrible, no-good person, and they want him out. They're talking about ways they can get him out of the Federalist. Um, and they're also talking about getting Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz out because, you know, they are what? I guess they didn't say it in this article. Uh, they're, you know, they're, but the left is telling us they're like ISIS. They're like Nazis. They're like, they're like uh, Klansmen. That's what they've been compared to, all, all, all of those things. So uh, the Federalist Society, which has been, you know, a, um, a society of conservative constitutional attorneys who are concerned about the turn of the legal, uh, the legal profession, many of them have been placed on the, the bench, uh, uh, thanks to Leonard Leo. Well, uh, the worm is turning. But I have to say, you know, they're, they're in D.C., not all the attorneys for Federalist Society, they're all over the country, but uh, this, this, I think, is coming out of D.C. And like I said to you at the beginning of the show, I think the whole world would benefit if D.C. Uh, could be swallowed by, um, I don't know, an earthquake. I don't want people to die. I'm talking metaphorically. If they could be erased from the face of the earth and the head of the snake could be destroyed because that is abs- absolutely cesspit. They are out of touch with reality. Uh, they think they're so smart and yet they are so stupid. And some of them are smart like a fox. They know exactly what's going on. And so they are the ones, you know, manipulating people's minds and uh, winning for right now. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.